On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about evolution. Yeah, uh, we think it's a really important subject, obviously. Uh, we talked about it many times on the Virtual Bible Study, but we're going to do it a little bit different tonight. We're just going to ask our listeners, present to us what you think are the strongest arguments against evolution. We're assuming that practically everybody who's listening, if not everybody, uh, denies the general theory of evolution. What makes you think so? And we just want to kind of compile the list of best arguments. Maybe you believe in evolution. We'd like to hear your reasons to support that. That'd be great. We'll talk with you if, if that's the case. It's going to be a good discussion. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 14th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Monty's behind the controls tonight. Monty, welcome back. Been a while. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Yeah, I hope you know what you're doing over there. <laughs> we, we might have to retrain him he's he's been off for so yeah, long yeah. that he, he may have forgotten his work yep uh we're glad that you're here with us tonight we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live tonight if you're listening to us in the recording we'll remind you you can comment to uh, with us at any time at questions at collegeview.com we'd love to hear from you yeah we'll be monitoring our uh uh chat room we'll also be monitoring our email inbox uh and then, of course, we have a phone line if you want to call in. But uh, that chat room, we'll try to keep up with it tonight. But we think we'll get a lot of conversation going. Uh, we've got a number of emails that have already been sent in. Yep. So uh, uh, Charles Darwin celebrated a birthday this year. Was it just yesterday or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yesterday, two days ago, February yeah. 12th, 210 years old, uh, ago that he was born. Yeah. Um, He's considered to be the father of modern evolutionary thought. He was, He didn't originate it, but he sort of put it on the map, so to speak. Okay. And, and so I think everybody associates the name Charles Darwin with the theory of evolution. We should start out by commenting, and in one of our emails, Stephen mentioned that there's really two things, two, two concepts of evolution that we need to be clear about when we say we're denying evolution. We deny what is known as the general theory of evolution. The general theory of evolution says that at some time in the ancient past, there was nothing alive, and somehow life sprang from non-living matter. It's, it's referred to as the spontaneous generation of life. Uh, even under the best laboratory conditions, that's never been able to be duplicated, and, and, and no one knows how that could have possibly have happened. They can't, they can't prove that it ever happened. They can't make it happen again. They can't observe it happening. But, we're, but the general theory of evolution requires that at some point in the way back past, life sprang from non-living matter. And then over eons of time, billions of years, a incredibly long succession of favorable mutations occurred that produced all the various different kinds of life forms that exist on planet Earth today from that first original single living cell. Again, that's never been observed. It can't be documented. It can't be explained. But we're supposed to believe that. Uh, when we say that we deny the theory of evolution, that's what we're talking about. Now, we understand that there's, there is evolution within species. Uh, for instance, you, you, you can even, you can even provoke, uh, certain species to evolve in a direction you want them to go. Uh, they do that with domesticated animals, for instance. Yeah. Uh, farmers selectively breed their livestock. Uh, dog breeders selectively breed and, and, and bring about traits within their offspring that they desire. Those kind of things uh, are observable. Uh, it can it can be done and and measured and practiced. Uh, uh, that's called specific or 
specific evolution or evolution within a species. Nobody denies that. I, I, you know, I, I I hate to even have to clarify that because we we all understand that. And that and but I think also everybody knows when we say that we deny the theory of evolution, we're denying that general theory of evolution. All right. Yeah, it happens when you get ready to plant your garden. And you go to the store to buy some seeds. There may be some new varieties of tomatoes on the shelf this year that weren't there last year. Yeah. And that's because they're constantly uh, working to, to breed a different variety of tomatoes that may have a different taste or maybe more immune to a disease or a pest or, uh, or may have certain characteristics that are desirable. And so they'll breed them for those desirable characteristics, maybe breed out some of those undesirable characteristics. That is uh, specific evolution at work. I think that's right, and it's, uh, and and that's the, the, you can apply the scientific method to that. The scientific method involves experimentation, observation, measurement, uh, draw conclusions from what you can repeatedly perform. Uh, so the specific evolution happens and is measurable. It it follows the scientific method. The general theory of evolution does not. Okay. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And so we ask our listeners today, simple, what are your three best arguments? That yeah, show that we didn't even ask be? questions today. We just asked you to do that. Send in what you think are the three best. And this is really a little bit subjective because an argument that really registers well in my mind may not be all that powerful in your mind, but maybe something else that really gets you going, you know, you can really see it, uh, a, a different argument. So it's a little bit subjective, which arguments are the strongest? Because the fact of the matter is there's way more than three arguments that argue against the general theory of evolution. Yeah, right. And uh, to start that discussion, uh, Kevin says, I usually start the discussion uh, with both of the, by saying both of these positions are a theory. Let's break down each of their base components. Serious, thoughtful, fair-minded folks will then be able to compare those theories. However, often things break down to false assumptions of the other <coughs> others' positions. We must avoid that and the name-calling and or unfair characterizations of the other presenter. Uh, so appreciate that, uh, uh, Kevin. All right. Um, so... Let's get started, I guess, on our listeners' uh, arguments. How about Jim? Hang on just a minute. I'm putting a link on, on our chat room. How about Jim from Kentucky? He says, science is established by observation and testing, neither of which can be applied with regard to the theory of evolution. Now, Namani, it's been a while since you or I were in school, but that was the, uh, the scientific method, wasn't it? You had to make a theory, and then you prove that theory by observation and testing, can't do that with a theory of evolution. Jim goes on and says, no one has observed a lower life form evolving into a superior life form. You know, when you when you get down to it and we think about this theory of general ev- evolution, it violates, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of scientific principles and and laws of things that have throughout the existence of the human race from the time God created us, things that we've been able to deserve and and duplicate and, and see that this theory of evolution that we're talking about clearly. Uh, violates those laws. If those laws are in effect in place, then it couldn't have happened. All right. Let me read a couple of quotes to you here. This one's from a fellow named Lauren Easley, uh, a Ph.D. in anthropology. He says, with the failure of min- these many efforts, science was, in other words, they couldn't replicate mm-hmm. evolution. They couldn't right. observe it. Science was left in the somewhat embarrassing position of having to postulate theories of living organisms which it could not demonstrate. After having chided the theologian for his reliance on myth and miracles, science found itself in the unenviable position of having to create a mythology of its own, namely the assumption that what, after long effort, could not be proved to take place today, had, in truth, taken place in the primeval past. In other words, they, they, they have to admit they can't get it. They can't make it happen. They can't, as Jim says, they can't make it happen and observe it and test it, but they still believe it. Uh, another uh, a guy named Ta- Thomasin of the Atomic Energy Commission said, Scientists who go about teaching that evolution is a fact of life are great con men. The story they are telling may be the greatest hoax ever. In explaining evolution, we have not one iota of fact. Yeah. 
Uh, now that's going to be presented as fact. Yeah. It's going to be presented to our children as fact. Yeah. Uh, yet it is a theory that has not been proven. Yeah. A couple more quotes. This is uh, this is from the introduction to the origin of the species, which was Charles Darwin's famous uh, work on evolution. Uh, this is by a guy named Thompson. As we know, there's great divergence of opinion among biologists, not only about the causes of evolution, but even about the actual process. This divergence exists because the evidence is unsatisfactory and does not permit any certain conclusion. It is therefore right and proper to draw the attention of the non-scientific public to the gr- disagreements about evolution. Even among evolutionists, they don't agree. You know, you would think that this would be a settled fact. Uh, they admit it's not a fact, not provable, and they're not even in agreement. Um, uh, here's from a book called Evolution of a Theory by Christopher, Christopher Booker. Uh, we still have not the slightest demonstrable or even plausible idea of how evolution really took place. In recent years, this has led to an extraordinary series of battles over the whole question. A state of almost open war exists among evolutionists themselves, with every kind of evolutionary sect urging some new modification. As to how and why it really happened, we have not the slightest idea and probably never shall. Wow. Well, that goes on with what Stephen said in the chat room. It takes more faith to believe that we came from Iraq than the biblical account. And certainly there has to be faith involved in believing the theory of evolution because it can't be proven. Yeah, exactly right. And one more quote. This is from Francis Francis Hitching. Uh, He said, to put it at its mildest, one may question an evolutionary theory so beset by doubts among even those who teach it. It encompasses extraordinarily large areas of ignorance. The theory is so inadequate that it deserves to be treated as a matter of faith. Wow. So, I mean, the evolutionists are in agreement that they don't have it. They don't have an answer to these very basic questions about how supposedly this all happened. Kevin is, agrees. He says the scientific method must be employed. Scientists sometimes don't behave like scientists, but often behave as philosophers or theologians. There you go. Okay. And that's simply what it is. It breaks down to. He says many Christians uh, most times uh, behave more like true scientists. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that, Kevin. Uh, so science uh, is against the theory of evolution, as Jim has noted here. Uh, number two, Jim's second top argument, he says, um, thinking of evolution in the beginning, you not only needed for life to evolve from lower life forms, but you would need two lower life forms to evolve into the same species in order for that species to continue. If you only had one advanced life form mating with a lower life form, what guarantee would there be to continue that species unless a miracle? A fish evolves into a lizard. Who does the lizard mate with to continue its species? Monty, I've heard you make this argument before that, uh, for, for instance, if humans are going to evolve, you've got to have a male human evolve simultaneously with a female human if we're going to continue the species. Yeah, the they, evolution idea has to do with we've got this whatever it was, mutated into something else. Well, the way reproduction takes place in the world that we have and uh, for all of observable history, you have to have a pair to do that. Yeah. So what you're requiring is as impossible as the odds are to have this one mutation to actually be a beneficial mutation that would survive and prosper, but you also had to have at the same time, uh, say this first one was a male, you also had to have a corresponding female mutation to survive and yeah. prosper and be beneficial so they could interbreed and continue this species. And that the odds of that, so that happening, that, that too, doubles, is incredibly impossible. So that doubles impossible to some big factor. <laughs> well, I don't guess you can get worse than impossible, but you go from impossible to twice impossible. And, you know, and that whatever evolves into that next species, money has to live long enough to reproduce, which yeah. is, you look at the animal world today, and something living long enough to reproduce is not a given. You know, so lots yeah. of things can yeah. happen. Yeah. And, um, I, 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 and I'm sure that's probably a number that has been estimated, but it'd be interesting to know, in the animal kingdom, of, of animals that are produced, reproduced, how many survive to maturity? I would say it's a fairly small fraction. So that first bird that mutated into a reptile, it died. How many millions well, of years? Well, actually, it was the other way around. Reptile, bird, birds reptile. came from reptiles, well, whatever supposedly. It was. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. But who knows, yeah. right? Yeah. But so that, that first one dies. Yeah. How, how many million years you got to wait for that mistake to happen again? Yeah. 
So, right. and, th- and, that, and that goes to Jim's third argument. So Jim's given us his three, and I think they're all good. He said mutations would always have to be beneficial in order to sustain a higher life form. Every mutation would have to be both good and move life upward. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a point that, that really has to be stressed. Mutations are almost categorically bad. Mm-hmm. In the real world, if, if an organism is mutated, it's almost, I mean, practically without exception, I don't suppose you could say without any exception, but practically without exception, mutations are bad. To the point wherein if you knew uh, a couple and they had a baby, and but people, you were you went to see them at the hospital, and nobody seemed real happy. And you, and someone whispered, "There was a mutation." Well, you immediately assumed that's really bad. That's something bad. That's not good. Right. You know, you're oh a mutation. Great. We're going to the okay. NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, no, that's bad. Yeah. Well, we know mutations are almost like ninety nine point nine 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 percent bad. Only in Marvel comic books are mutations good and develop into superheroes. Exactly right. Okay, good. All right, so we're ready for a break, but we got Jim's three arguments, and I think they're all good. Thanks, Jim. All right, Jim. Lots more to go, and we'll take your thoughts on the other side of the break. Kevin says, once we spend time trying to prove each other's theories, it's important to show uh, the evolutionist's position as a religion with their own faith involved to give their theory its basis. I think that's right. And it, I mean, the evolutionists would argue that, but they are really, they chide us for our faith, you know, uh, that we have faith. But they really have to have faith. And, and I think, as Stephen said in the chat room, it takes more faith to believe what evolutionists are trying to promote uh, than what the Bible teaches. All right. Thank you for those comments, Kevin. He's got some more in the chat room we'll get to on the other side of the break. And add yours in there as well during the break or send them via email. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Misconception number 17. The folks at the College of Church of Christ believe that water saves. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. We believe the blood of Jesus saves us. Granted, we do believe water baptism is necessary for salvation, and we would like to explain why to you. But without Jesus' blood, no one will be saved. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Anger makes your mouth work faster than your mind. It may be that a dog is man's best friend because he wags his tail and not his tongue. The man who has not learned to say no will be a weak and wretched man as long as he lives. Church members are like cars. They start missing before they quit. You quickly lose interest in the church if you have nothing invested. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about evolution. Uh, Darwin celebrated a birthday this week, and, uh, well, his theory of evolution certainly has cost the souls of many. Uh, and we're looking at reasons why it cannot be true uh, tonight. Your best arguments against the theory of evolution. Jeff in the chat room says, ironically, the Marvel comic mutants are generally hated in the storylines. <laughs> well, all right. And uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, and uh, Kevin says the second law of thermodynamics is the most compelling reason that evolution cannot exist in nature, simply put. Kevin's going to put it his... Uh, his number one argument as the second law of thermodynamics. Okay, let me let me read. I got a an, uh, Craig in, uh, from Bloomington, Indiana, wrote and actually sent an article that he had written along these lines. And he so let's let's let me suggest his three arguments okay. in this article. Uh, and one of them is the second law of thermodynamics that that Kevin mentioned in the chat room. So let me go to that one first. The second law of thermodynamics is also known as the law of entropy. And it states that everything in the universe tends to become more disordered. So entropy is a measure of organization or actually the lack of organization. Disorder. And so entropy is always increasing. In other words, things become less organized when left on their own without any 
external forces being exerted upon them, things become less organized, not more organized. Mm -hmm. I've used the example before. You cut down a tree in the forest. Uh, You mark the time and the date and say, well, come back here 20 years from now and see what has happened. Well, 20 years from now, you come back. You don't expect that a a framed shed has uh, erected itself where you drop that tree. In fact, you may not even be able to find the tree. It may have completely decayed and gone back to the ground. Mm-hmm. It becomes, it does on its own, it does not become more ordered. It becomes less ordered. That is the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy. Everything in the universe tends to become more disordered. We're familiar with the law of entropy. Whether we know it or not, clocks wind down. They don't wind up. Metal rust, wood decays, automobiles wear out, clothes wear out, people wear out. As the second law works, matter becomes more disordered and energy less useful. Back to the log burning in the fireplace. As long as the log burns, its matter is less ordered. Uh, wood versus ashes, water versus CO, water and CO2. And its heat energy is lost to the surroundings and becomes less usable, less recoverable. Soon after the fire goes out, the room cools as the heat energy released does not cease to exist, but is widely dispersed and less usable. When this happens, the log's entropy is said to have increased. Uh, so uh, Craig mentions this, as, as Kevin did, the second law of thermodynamics. Now, think about that. The evolutionist is saying that exactly the opposite of that has happened. And and not just once in a rare occurrence, but consistently over millions and billions of years, things have become on their own more organized, not less organized. And so I I think it's a really strong argument. Think about that. That's a... The second law of thermodynamics is one of the unquestioned laws of physics in the in the universe. Scientists operate on the basis of the the consistency of the second law of thermodynamics, and it plainly argues against evolution. All right, thank you for that, Kevin. Uh, eight, seven, Kevin, six. and this is Craig who wrote it up. Uh, Craig, yeah, thanks. And let me read Craig's other two arguments. He says, the first law of thermodynamics states that matter and energy can neither be created or destroyed. We see this law in action, for example, in the burning of a log in a fireplace. When burned, the log turns into ashes, carbon dioxide and water, plus energy is released as heat. The matter... The matter in the log is conserved in the form of ashes, water, and carbon dioxide released. If you could gather them, they would weigh exactly what the log weighed before it was burned. The potential energy stored in the log is released as heat, but it is conserved because it does not simply cease to exist. It merely dissipates into less usable forms. So the matter and energy are both conserved. Upon burning, there is still the same amount of both, albeit in less usable form. So, uh, the first law of thermodynamics says that there's, that, that matter and energy are consistent in the universe. Uh, none is being added or destroyed. They, they're changed. They can change, but they can't be increased or, or decreased. And the, how this argues to evolution, in my view, is if you're going to if you're going to get this this incredibly increased amount of organization uh, that we that would be necessary if evolution were true, you'd have to you'd have to insert a lot of energy into the the universe in order for it to happen. And and the first law of thermodynamics says energy is not being introduced into this closed system that we know as the physical universe. Okay. All right. And, and you had one more. And then Craig offers the law of causality. Okay. Hit me with that one. Causality is also known as the law of cause and effect. And it states that every material effect must have an antecedent or simultaneous cause. In other words, something cannot come from nothing. Something cannot create itself. What is nothing? Aristotle described it best when he said, nothing is what rocks dream about. <laughs> <laughs> well. 
empirical evidence throughout man's history has established the law of causality as an absolute truth. This law is very foundational of all the sciences. Without this law, all the sciences would crumble into irrelevancy. Why search for causes if nothing can cause something? Nothing causes nothing causes nothing that uh, uh, defies empirical study, what he's saying. For they are nothing. They don't exist. Nothing causes what rocks dream about. Actually, and I think Craig's exactly right, cause and effect. You know, for instance, this desk that we're setting behind. If I told you that it wasn't here, uh, and and one day I walked in here and it was here, it just created itself if I told you something came from nothing, you'd think I'd lost my mind. Yeah. But actually, that's what evolutionists teach, that yeah. something came from nothing. Yeah. Cause and effect argues, again, it's a scientific argument. It argues against evolution. Now, to be completely honest about that, as Bible believers, we also believe in something coming from nothing in other words, they cannot explain their uncaused first cause. Because they have a closed system. Yeah. We believe we know the uncaused first cause. The uncaused first cause is God. And and so we, we agree. You, you take it back far enough, there has to be something that was without cause that caused everything else to be. We have God. The evolutionist doesn't have anything. All right. 877-381-4567. Rick in the ch- – oh, Monty, go ahead. You know, a minute ago you mentioned the <clears throat> the energy that would have had to be introduced. Well, we would believe that energy would be from God, that God introduced that energy that caused things to begin. So, you know, the evolutionist doesn't have any energy. He, he, he has no place to draw yeah. from. It all came from nothing. Well, if there's nothing, then there's no energy there. Yeah, I think you're right. God was the energy. God was the uncaused first cause. Rick, in the chat room, many are willing to accept the theory of the experts or of scientists without questioning their validity. Another approach is to assume that believers and science are mutually exclusive. Uh, this is simply not so. We are instructed to prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Lots of good points there by Rick. Number one, if somebody has a lot of letters behind their name, we assume that they have all the answers. Yeah. They're from some big university. Well, they must know everything, and that's simply not the case. Yeah. Number two, he says um, that, that idea that belief and science are mutually exclusive. Either you believe in God or you believe in science. If you believe in God, you have to throw everything about science away. They can't. You can't be in harmony with true science if you're going to believe in God. Uh, it's a real, inter- it's a real interesting research to, to to think about scientists who do believe in God. There, there's a there's a significant percentage of scientists even today, and in and famous scientists through history that believed in God. Science, true science, provable science, verifiable science is completely compatible with the Bible. But there's this wild speculative theories. Right. The, the, the unproven theories of science, including evolution, that are not compatible with the Bible, but they're unproven theories. And people have put more validity and more credibility in science rather than what the Bible says. And if you'd done that throughout history, you've been horribly wrong. Yeah. Science used to say the world was flat. Yeah. You'd have to throw away what the Bible says about the world for that to be. Science used to say that uh, the earth was held up by a strong man uh, and... And he was, was he standing on a turtle? I don't know. Yeah, something so, silly yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hey, I, and if you were going to say, well, we got to believe that, that's what science says. We can't believe what the Bible says about that because science says he's uh, a man's holding up the earth. Well, you'd been totally wrong on that. In the past, science, scientists said that the universe revolved around planet Earth. Uh, we know that's not true now. Uh, and so, again, if you're going to trust scientists, know that they're constantly changing their views. I actually sort of think that they're going to throw away evolution one of these days because it is so anti-scientific. I don't think they're going to. They just, it's, just not, it's just not sustainable as a theory. It's still, why is it still a theory? After all these years, what did you say, Darwin? 210. Darwin wrote, or Darwin lived 200 
years ago, and 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 he was sort of, as we said, the father of modern evolutionary thought. Why, over after two hundred some years, why is it still a theory of evolution? Why isn't yeah, it the, you, and the, been the proven, documented fact of evolution? Think it's about not, all the university, all the so-called uh, scholars at universities that are tr- working day and night trying to f- prove this theory. Yeah, they've had two hundred years to do it. What, where's where's the proof? Uh, some some of our listeners no doubt will remember a movie that was out several years ago called Expelled, and in it it was documented the incredible prejudice against anybody in in academia. There was an incredible prejudice against anybody who denies evolution, yeah. and it's sort of been an inbred academic environment. You have to accept evolution. In order to to be accepted, and and therefore to be supported uh, in academia, and so it's just it's sort of like been an inbred cycle. Uh, keep feeding this false evolutionary chain, uh, and 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 if you're if you if you don't go along, and if you even question it, you get expelled from the institutions of so-called higher learning uh, it's it's a it's a documented prejudice on the on the part of those people and the question is always asked why well the reason why is because if you believe in god if you accept the reality of a god who created all things then there are other ramifications including moral accountability before this almighty creator and i think that's the reason they don't want it all right we're going to get a break kevin says uh, having letters behind or in front of your name is how some give credibility to their argument however i know many christians that own those same letters or acronyms yet avoid using them so they don't appear pretentious and simply lean on their argument uh thank you uh for that kevin stephen says they don't want to be accountable to god that's, that's exactly right that's exactly you, right you're accountable to god if you admit that there is a god All right, lots of comments from our listeners, and we want to add yours as well. We're going to get a break, get this week's bullet point, and continue the discussion. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We have a very simple question to ask. Is your heart right with God? As you think about your answer to this most important of all questions, we'd like you to consider these observations. First, you may as well be honest about this because, quote, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things, 1 John 3, verse 20. So then if you have never obeyed the gospel or if you're unfaithful in your service as a Christian, you ought to own up to the reality of your dangerous spiritual condition. After all, you can't hide these things from God. Second, Judgment is as certain as life itself. Quote, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Hebrews 9, verse 27. And quote, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Romans 14, verse 12. Third, in light of these facts, perhaps you should begin right now thinking about a good excuse that you can use on judgment day. A few favorites will surely be, I was too busy. I didn't feel well. I had family obligations. My work demanded so much of my time. The people at church were unfriendly. I didn't like the preacher or the elders or the teachers. Feel free to pick one of these, or perhaps you can come up with one of your own that seems more appropriate to your own particular situation. But, fourth, we must warn you, however, that the excuse you choose, no matter how good it seems, will not be good enough. Read Matthew 7, beginning verse 21, and Matthew 25, beginning verse 31. The truth of the matter is that, quote, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And finally, our best advice then is to get right with God. It is ultimately important, and excuses just won't get the job done. Not now, and certainly not in judgment. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program. We're reminding you that this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Where you can find out more about us, find out our meeting place and time of location, or time of meeting and location, 
at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Also, you might want to check it out. We're going to start streaming our services, Lord willing, on Sunday morning. Maybe, th- maybe this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we got so a few more could, things to hook up. You might but want to we, check we're, that we're, out. We, we've been experimenting, uh, and uh, we're close. You, so you could view our worship services and... Listen to that sermon. Rather, listen to that sermon. You can watch that sermon. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. There's a little added benefit there. And uh, check it out at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email anytime at questions at collegeview.com. Rick in the chat room says anyone who did not. This is a quote quote from from Richard Richard Dawkins. Dawkins. Yeah. A famous atheist. Anyone who denies evolution is either ignorant, stupid, insane, or wicked. I get that. Now, that's a really open-minded approach, isn't it? Yeah. You know, D- d- disregard any but argument. It's a theory. That's, now. that's, that's, a, a, that, that's an ad hom- what you call an ad hominem attack. No, yeah. attack the man. Don't don't yeah. attack what he's yeah. saying. Just say if you don't believe in evolution, you are ignorant, stupid, insane, or wicked. Well, that's real sound argumentation, isn't it? That yeah. comes from Richard Dawkins. Yeah, what, and what, we, we'd get skewered if we said anyone who believes evolution is ignorant, stupid, insane, or wicked. Yeah. I mean, somebody would skew, oh, you closed-minded bigot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well how come he can say that? That's ridiculous. Uh, I had not shows, seen that. That shows a, that thanks, shows a thanks, prejudice, Rick, Thanks it? for sending that. I had not seen, sent that, seen that before. That, but that shows the prejudice that's out there. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Rick also says, he notes evolution's missing links. Number one, the very beginning of life. They can't explain that. They can't. They can't explain it. They can't duplicate it in a laboratory. Now we've been told that life came from non-life, that all the ingredients just happened to get together. The right ingredients were there, in the right environment, with the right uh, impulse that started it all off. Just happened by chance. Now they've tried over and over and over again in laboratory conditions where they can manipulate every variable. The elements that are there, the environment that it's in, the initiate, the uh, spark or the impetus to start the life, they can't do it. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. That's a missing link. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rick, Rick, did you read this yeah. about this West Virginia grade school handout? No, did you I see that? No. In the chat room, Rick has a quote from a handout apparently that came was given to grade school students in West Virginia. Quote, evolution is a fact. Facts are indisputable. It does not matter what your parents, Sunday school teacher or preacher says. Evolution is a proven fact. I'll tell you, um, I... I if my if if my kid brought that home, I, I I'm sure I'd have to go to the school board meeting and protest. But I also, I mean, how how can you let your children be under that kind of an influence? Well, he says they want your soul, the souls of your children. They really do. All right, so he goes. He evolution's missing links. So number one, the very beginning of life. Number two, the absence of transitional form or intermediate species. You know, they talk about a missing link. Where are you I'm, reading? I've scrolled up here. Yeah, you got, oh, there's okay. Lots of, we, we, we let this one oh, slide oh, up. Oh, okay. okay. They, they talk about a, a missing link. Like if they could find a missing link or the missing link, you know, there's just one of these, that, 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 the link between man and ape. I read the other day that they found it. Oh, they did? Yeah. But well, it was... It was something on the news feed that comes up on my phone. How many times have they said that, though, over the last well, There's so no many telling years? how many times. And but they've, I read all that they found they've all yeah. been debunked. They've all been debunked. Well, but it's not just a missing link. This is on a continuum. Yeah. There ought to be lots of varying transitional fossils in, the, in this thing. We ought to be able to see the reptile that looks a little bit more like a bird, more, 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 all the way up to a bird, not just it makes one jump between yeah. a reptile and a bird. Okay. Now, you guys have hit... On one of my favorite arguments. All right. So i got to jump on this. Okay. Rick got, Rick got us there. Fossils say evolution did not occur. Um, now, here's what Charles Darwin said in Origin of the Species. And he, he says, the number of intermediate and transitional links between all living and extinct species must have been inconceivably great. Inconceivably great. You can yeah. Be- so because evolution, uh, of course, requires that the... There, there be, you know, a gradual progression, as you said, for instance, from 
reptiles to birds and so forth. But but what we find in the fossil record is complex life forms suddenly appearing, uh, multi- complex life forms multiplying after their own kind, no transitional links between different biological families, no partial body features, all parts are complete. And evolutionists who are honest are forced to admit this. Darwin said uh, in Origin of the Species, Intermediate links, question mark. Geology assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic change. And this, he says, is perhaps the most obvious and serious objection which can be urged against the theory of evolution. Darwin said, no missing links is is your best. If you want to argue against what I'm saying, Darwin said, go there. He says that's 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 the real weakness of this theory. David Kitts, Ph.D. in zoology, head curator of the Department of Geology at Stovall Museum, a well-known evolutionary paleontologist. So he's a he's a fossil man and he's an evolutionist. But he says this, despite the bright promise that paleontology provides a means of quote, seeing evolution, it has presented some nasty difficulties for evolutionists, the most notorious of which is the presence of gaps in the fossil record. Evolution requires intermediate forms between species, and paleontology, the study of fossils, does not provide them. Uh, Another uh, uh, scientist, Herbert Nielsen, University, uh, Lund University in Sweden says, the fossil material is now so complete that the lack of transitional series cannot be explained by the scarcity of the material. The deficiencies are real. They will never be filled. And so here's this, this guy saying, Don't. it's not that they're out there and we just haven't found them yet. He, he said, we've found so much that it's not because we haven't found the fossils. It's just that they're not there. Yeah, no. Was it Darwin said innumerable? There's innumerable, inconceivably great number of intermediates. uh, What did he say? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Oh, where where did I find that? Where did I have it? Oh, the number of intermediate and transitional links between all living and extinct species must have been inconceivably great. Inconceivably great, and this happened over millions of years. Yeah, there ought to be fossils everywhere. Everywhere. If evolution happened, you you shouldn't be able to dig a hole in your backyard without finding a missing link. And, Maybe and, four and or what, five. That's right. And to what you were saying, Monty, earlier, it, it, it shouldn't be newsworthy that they supposedly found a missing leak, which they haven't, and it'll be debunked like all the rest of it. But why would it make the news? There should be so many of them that they just, we, we, we almost have be to be tripping over. Yeah, we have to push them out of the way to make progress here. All right. Um, Rick says uh, another one of evolution's missing links is a suitable explanation for the modus of evolution, the how. How did it happen? Number four, he says, links between animals and man. Haven't found those. The evolution, you'd have to have that to support the theory. An explanation of the origin of the soul, rationality, aesthetics, the capability for feeling, sense for, of moral accountability and desire for immorality, can't explain consciousness. And so where did those things come from? Exactly The right. evolutionary theory does not support the development of, of these traits and number six the lack of adequate proven time there you go and that now rick has hit upon number two of my uh, favorite arguments so i want to expound on what he said time so if evolution is true everybody understands it took a long 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 time to happen it uh, usually and i don't know how they come by these numbers but you hear them all the time we are told that the supposed Big Bang, which was the, the beginning point of our known universe, happened 20 billion years ago. Uh, obviously, it was a very intense explosion. Things went hurtling out at, at incredible speed yep. and in intense heat. And it took a long time for things to cool down and slow down enough to begin to form solids like our solar system. We are told that our solar system and planet Earth probably formed about 4 billion years ago. Right. Uh, And then uh, life spontaneously generated uh, from non-living matter about one and a half billion years ago. Okay. Uh, and then everything sort of evolved. And and then, man, we're, we're actually newcomers 
new kids on the block, human beings supposedly evolved about four million years ago, which is like current events on the evolutionary yeah, right. timetable. Yep. Uh, we say all that to say you got to have a lot of time. If evolution is going to happen, you got to have a lot of time. The Bible, on the other hand, says that Earth time is relatively short. If you if you you put together all the all the genealogies, all the chronologies of the Bible, you're going to come up with about six thousand years. Some people, oh, there's some gaps in the genealogy. There's not many, and if there are any, they're all prior to Abraham in Genesis chapter twelve. But even if you granted that there were some gaps in the early genealogies in Genesis, you can't get more than ten thousand years out of it. So. The Earth is less than ten thousand years. The, the whole physical universe is less than ten thousand years old. Uh, so the the Bible timeline is way shorter than the evolutionary timeline. And what's interesting is that there's a whole lot of scientific argument. Now, now, why that's important is if if the physical universe has only been here for less than ten thousand years, there's not nearly enough time for evolution. That's right. And I think that's the point Rick is making. I think it's a powerful point. There's a bunch of arguments uh, that, that prove that. One of the ones that I really like is the shrinkage of the sun. Uh, scientists have been able to measure, just within recent years, within the last 30 years or so, scientists have been able to measure how quickly the sun is shrinking, which is not a surprising phenomenon. It's a mass of burning solids out there in space, 93 million miles away from us. But as things burn, they they consume their matter mm-hmm. and they get smaller. Mm-hmm. That will happen until the, the, the sun implodes and becomes a red giant and all that business. But the sun is consistently getting smaller. Yeah. Scientists were able to measure that. It gets it's it's losing one tenth of one percent of its diameter. Every hundred years. Oh boy! <laughs> so the sun's really big, and its but and its diameter is shrinking. It's shrinking slowly, one tenth of one percent per hundred years. Percentage wise, but that's a pretty good number, though. Well, but if you think about that, and this is pretty simple math, a hundred thousand years ago, just a hundred thousand years ago, the sun would have been twice as big as it is today. Wow. You talk about hot in August, oh, money. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what, what that's saying, even just 100,000 years ago, the sun would have been so big and so and the heat so intense, life would have been impossible on planet Earth. So evolutionists want us to believe. Remember, they tell us that life sprang from non-living matter on planet Earth about one and a half billion years ago. And so basically they're saying that this necessary relationship between the sun and planet Earth has been maintained for at least one and a half billion years so that life could evolve. It's kind of interesting. Scientists call the Earth, they say the Earth is in the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold. If we were 10% farther away from the sun, it would be too cold for life on Earth. If we were 10% closer to the sun, be too hot for life on planet Earth. We are in just the right place in right. the Goldilocks zone. Right. But we're supposed to believe that that, with the sun out here burning up and shrinking all the time, so much bigger, just twice as big as it is now, just a hundred thousand years ago, we're supposed to we're supposed to believe that this necessary critical relationship between sun and planet Earth has been maintained to allow all of these billions of years for evolution to take place. It's ridiculous. And so that's one of the arguments that says the universe is not nearly as old as scientists want us to believe that it is. Okay. Shrinkage of the sun. Uh, uh, there are a number of other arguments. Uh, um, depletion of the Earth's magnetic field is another one. We know the Earth's magnetic field is depleting and so forth. There's just a lot of arguments to say there's, the Earth has not been here nearly long enough for evolution to take place. But we've been here long enough to get a break. And so right. we're going to get one. We're going to the top of the hour. We've got lots of arguments to go from our listeners. We're going to go fast when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Warning, this is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area, BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from 
BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible Deficit Disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A new study of practicing Christians found that only 17% believe all six of these basic concepts. One, absolute moral truth exists. Two, the Bible is totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Three, Satan is considered to be a real being or force, not merely symbolic. Four, a person cannot earn their way into heaven. Five, Jesus lived a sinless life on earth. And six, God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. That information is via Relevant Media Group. The Word of God says in Matthew 15, verse 8, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program going fast to the top of the hour asking you for the best arguments against evolution. We've had a lot of good ones. And, and like we said, uh, what appeals to your mind and your thinking may be different than what appeals to, to mine or Jacob's, but there's just so many good arguments against evolution. Clay in Columbia sends in his three complexity, he says, even in the smallest of creatures and elements. Certainly, there's enormous complexity. Yeah, and, and that goes to an argument, which would actually be my third argument. Uh, you know, I, I said fossils, no time. My third argument would be the one that Clay mentions here, complexity. And it's basically the argument, design demands a designer. Yeah. You know, you, intelligent design is evident everywhere in the physical universe. And uh, you know, we're supposed to believe that that all just happened by chance. Just, just for instance, the argument has been made about the human eye. The human eye is such an incredibly complex thing. We're supposed to believe it just happened by chance. By chance. That this complexity. And interestingly, it all evolved just together, just right. So so here's here's a being, and this being evolves an optic nerve. But there's nothing to connect it to. Well, that would go away then, right? right. No, all of the parts of the eye would have to come together at once. Uh, uh, I think a guy named Michael Behe in a book called Darwin's Black Box spoke about irreducible complexity. Yeah. And it's true. It, complex things, and they came together all at once. They had to. Yeah. And, and, and then there's just the physical world. Yeah. The periodic table. The planets. This is a result of an explosion. Yeah, we're supposed to, and that's the enlightened view. You're ignorant, stupid, and what, and wicked if you think that that didn't happen. Yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah. All right. Number th- number two, Clay says variety. There's there's so many different uh, creatures, formations, elements, etc. Variety. Exactly. All right. And number three, conscious uh, uh, conscience consciences. The uh, the fact. Man has a conscience, tells me it's not by chance. I, I think that's right, too. I mean, and that's sort of along the lines of what Rick was saying. How, how did we come to know, how did we come to appreciate good and evil, right and wrong, uh, things that are beautiful and, and, and so forth? If, if we're just an evolved creature, I'm just going to, I'm going to take what's yours. That's what happens in the animal world. I'm, and, and actually, I may eat you, yep. uh, you know, because... I mean, it's the survival of the fittest, yeah, right? Yeah. How did how did we develop a moral conscience? I think yeah. Clay's right. Thank you, Clay, for your email. Oh, Peter from the land down under, down in Australia tonight, uh, sends his comments. Thank you, Peter, for your email. First and foremost, he says, for Christians at least, the fact that Jesus is documented as stating that man, red human to avoid upsetting the PC brigade, was created at the beginning. This is really the only argument a true believer needs. This and a belief in general evolution are mutually exclusive. Anyone who claims to be a Christian and believe in the general uh, in general evolution is basically calling Jesus a liar, and that does not set comfortably with. Yeah, me. and this is really interesting. I think Peter's on to something there. So we study about the the proofs of the resurrection of Jesus. 
And, and someone once said to me, and I think it's a true argument, why do I believe in creation? Because Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's right. If, you, if Jesus resurrected the dead and he is, in fact, and provably the resurrected son of God, then you have to believe creation, too. Yep. Peter goes on his second argument. He says, I've not found in the Bible anywhere that it suggests that one species has turned into another. If God had used evolution to create humans, why would it not tell us in his word? Would it make God any less of a supreme no. being? I think good point. No, not really, would it? Okay. Number three. Uh, there is no such, or there is so much overwhelming evidence for a young Earth that general evolution simply would not have had enough years to occur. Exactly right. No time. Exactly right. Fourthly, I know you only wanted three. He says, but there are so many. There's never been any evidence produced to support general evolution, nor has it ever been reproduced in the lab. Evolutionists love to create confusion by using examples such as an HIV virus mutating as evidence of general evolution, but then. Back right away when it is pointed out that it is still an HIV virus and it hasn't turned into a cold virus. Interesting. So that's evolution within a kind or species, but nothing yep. new. Okay. Right. Unfortunately, there is so much indoctrination in schools and universities that people are unable to analyze evidence dispassionately. As a now former, after a career change healthcare professional, I simply cannot get my head around the idea that something as complex and intricate <laughs> as the human body could have come about basically by accident. Yeah, exactly right. Thank you, Peter. Good Thanks, to hear from Peter. you tonight. Good to hear from you in Australia. All right. Kent, down in uh, Georgia, uh, says um, he, he lists an, an argument here. Number one, humanity exists either by special creation or by evolution. There are no other alternatives. Okay, so it's one or the other. Number two, if humanity exists by special creation, such implies the existence of God. Exactly. Number three, if evolution is true, then of necessity, there was a point in time in past history where a human being was either born from an animal or transformed from an animal into a human being. Right. Number four, there's no scientific evidence that any human being was ever born from an animal. Number five, there's no scientific evidence that any human being was ever transformed from an animal. Number six, therefore, there is no scientific evidence that any human being was ever born or transformed from an animal. Number seven, therefore, there is no scientific evidence that one today can be born or transformed from an animal. Number eight, therefore, the philosophy of evolution is false. I like he uses the word philosophy there. That's what it is. Therefore, number nine, therefore, the concept of special creation is true. And number 10, therefore, God exists. Yeah, okay. Uh, really good, Kent. Uh, uh, just a progression of logical thought leads to that conclusion. I think that's a, he, he made another argument, and I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm up on this. He says, the interchange of oxygen in the air we breathe and carbon dioxide in the blood is essential to our existence. Consider these important points. Without this interchange, no human could live for more than a few moments. Atheism depends upon an evolution over millions of years. Therefore, because of the necessity of this interchange of oxygen in the air we breathe and carbon dioxide in the blood, known as osmosis, evolution could not have taken place. Hmm. I've got to pursue that thought a little bit. Interesting. All right. So it, we ask people just to, to shoot us their their best arguments, the arguments that make the most sense to them, that deny the general theory of evolution. Did you notice how many arguments there were? Yeah, I mean, we we can hardly get through them all. Uh, it's not that we just have one. I believe in God, and, and 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 that's all there is to it. I'm just I just believe God. You know, blind leap of faith. Yeah. You know, that's what they accuse. Of. Don't go give me any evidence. Don't I don't want I don't, want, don't, don't, don't confuse me don't, with the facts. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. believe in God. I'm just an ignorant, uh, wicked, yeah, <laughs> uninformed, stupid, gullible, yeah. uh, bigot, nincompoop. Yeah, but, you know, as we talk about evolution and, and disproving it. We haven't tried to illustrate it by the Bible particularly tonight. Just known scientific facts, the go, laws of thermodynamics, just logically applying those, evolution cannot be true. Exactly by, right. Uh, by known scientific laws, observable, uh, and, proven and, and laws. And I think we have to do that. I think you're right, Money. I think we have to do that. In other words, I can't quote Bible verses to an atheist and convince him that there's a God. i gotta, I got to come out. And we, we can't quote Bible verses to an evolutionist uh, to prove prove a case either. But we can prove that what the Bible says about special creation by God, like Kent was talking about, we can prove that what the Bible says about that has to be true because the theory of evolution and everything else that's being proposed in these speculative theories simply can't be true scientifically. Yeah, and Kent had it right. There's only two options here. Life came from non-life or life was created by uh, a being uh, external to the physical realm. All right. 
Okay. Good, good discussion, guys, and thanks for everybody who participated. Yeah, Kevin said he liked the, the the discussion. Good arguments from the listeners. So thank you, Kevin, for being a part of that. Thanks for your comments, Kevin, and thanks for all the comments in the chat room and over email tonight. Monty, I'll give you the opportunity to make the last comment. Well, it's been a good discussion. Like we said, just if we have an honest and open mind and take scientifically proven facts, then we can disprove evolution. It's not possible. All right. Thanks for being here, Monty. Thank you. Glad to have you back. Uh, Dad, thanks for good thanks, discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.